Hello everyone and welcome to the Old Ways for the New Age podcast where we are embracing ancient ways of being and opening our hearts to the magic in everyday life. I am your host Christy, founder of Bohemian Farmhouse and Midnight Kin. In this show we will discuss topics like living slowly with ritual and with reverence for the earth and our bodies, herbal wisdom and plant spirit stories, traditional ways of life and have conversations with change makers who step lightly on the earth. Join us as we romance the ordinary, re-enchant our own lives with plant magic and get ourselves back to the garden. Hello everybody and welcome to the Old Ways for the New Age podcast. This week's episode we discuss all things astroherbalism and Hannah and I delve pretty deep into what planets are doing what in the cosmos right now including their wonderful retrogrades and we also discuss some ways that you can get around it and hopefully face and deal with some of the issues that are coming up for you and some herbs that are really good to get through this challenging time. This episode is actually the beginning of a series that Hannah and I will be doing. So it's kind of a little bit of an introduction as well as discussing the current astrological happenings right now. In the future, we will focus on a herb and it's herbal astrology and really dive deep into each individual herb so that we can learn more about it with this beautiful modality. I think it will likely be a once a month episode and I really enjoyed this chat. I absolutely loved it. It was so much fun and it's actually kind of a little window into just the sort of things that Hannah and I discuss on a regular basis. Uh, and the sort of things that we just really love to chat about. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. I'm really, really happy with it. It's a little bit longer than the past ones, and it could have been longer. Honestly, it could have been longer. (laughs) Hannah and I just love to chat about this sort of thing, so we really actually had to rein ourselves in a little bit, and finding a place to stop was a little bit of a challenge. So there will be more to come and if this topic really excites you then you're really going to love this episode and the future episodes where we will discuss more and if you enjoy hearing the sort of things that we talk about on this podcast please go and follow us on instagram at old ways for the new age and on that instagram you'll be able to see videos and behind the scenes and have a look at my garden and the sort of things that are growing particularly my journey with Angelica I am sharing her growth a lot she's fascinating as you will hear later on in the episode and you can also sign up to our newsletter if you click the link in bio and that way you'll be the first to know when we release courses and plant spirit journey meditations 
So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode with Hannah about astrological herbalism. Enjoy. Hello, Hannah. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Start with, we're going to talk a little bit about the planets that are in retrograde. So today's Sounds good. Yeah, today's topic is actually about herbal astrology, or do you say astrological herbalism, or both apply, don't they? I think both are fine. It's also called astroherbalism sometimes, mm. so yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, so <laughs> six planets in retrograde. I'm <laughs> kind of dying over here. It's, it's pretty full on at the moment. I've actually had <laughs> this weekend... I've had a bath every day and a shower every morning. I've been on the biomat twice a day, <laughs> four times this weekend. I've like put so much oil all over my body. <laughs> Just trying to to get into some sort of you know normal state because I feel so shattered. Yeah, it's it's been pretty full on and to have six at one time is it's a lot. It's a lot. It is a lot. We've actually got, so I'm going to run through the planets that we've got in retrograde right now. Pluto, Uh Mercury, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune. (laughs) Like what is even going on right now? And there's some big planets too. Yeah, Jupiter and Saturn are big ones. And, you know, actually even Pluto, I feel like Pluto, whenever Pluto is in retrograde, it kind of, yeah, it really gets to me that one. But I think yeah, I was going to say Pluto and Neptune together. That's a lot. Mm, yeah, it's the combination, isn't it, of mm. the planets when they go retrograde that kind of messes people up a little bit. So I'll run down the dates. I think that's important for people to know so that they know when this misery is over. <laughs> <laughs> so Pluto has actually been in retrograde since April and it's going to come out of retrograde in October on the 8th. Jupiter has been in retrograde since July. It's probably, I think it's coming out in November on the 23rd, I think. And Saturn is in retrograde or has been in retrograde since June and it's coming out at the end of October. Uranus since August and it's actually going to keep going until January next year. And Neptune since June and it's going to give us a break in December on the 4th, which is actually Hunter's birthday, my son's birthday. So that's exciting. Oh, yeah. That should be and, a nice change up of energy. Yeah. So I feel like by December we'll, we'll have some relief. And Mercury, <laughs> good old Mercury, is in retrograde from September the 10th to October the 2nd. So definitely, mm-hmm. definitely by December we'll be all good. Um, but just running through as well on the sort of things that you can expect to come up with each of these planets. Pluto is all about uh, looking at your toxic, negative, self-destructive kind of behaviour. So it's a good time to revisit that. And I think that, you know, that's a good, it's always a good time to revisit that. (laughs) Um, Jupiter is about self-reflection and looking at the big picture. Saturn is about um, kind of like personal growth. And Uranus is that more sort of like that free-spirited energy, like shaking things up. And Neptune's about reflecting on your dreams and focusing on creativity. 
And I think that the fact that all of these planets are in retrograde and then you've got Mercury in retrograde, that this two weeks of Mercury retrograde feels like it's just highlighting all the other planets and those issues. So mm-hmm. we're always taught, we're always told to like sort of like revisit and re- revise and, you know, look at things, look at past memories check back on things during a Mercury retrograde. But I feel like because we've got so many other planets doing their own retrograde during this Mercury retrograde, it's like we're being told to revisit all of those aspects, which sucks. (laughs) (laughs) It's heavy. It's heavy. And it definitely like this Mercury retrograde has felt pretty intense so far for me, at least. I know that I think you've had a similar experience with the Mercury in particular. Once that one started to retrograde, we really felt it. Mm. Um, I think the other stuff was there, but yeah, it's definitely amplified now. Mm, definitely. Yeah. It was there and it was sort of like, you know, just going along in the background and we were doing our thing. And then Mercury's like, hit the brakes, hold on, <laughs> have a look a little bit, you know, sharper focus at everything. Um, and I feel like people can really feel very stuck and very stagnant in a Mercury retrograde and like mm-hmm. nothing is moving forward. And they might want to push or force to sort of like keep things going. And I think that's the thing that you really, really do not want to do. Definitely not. You need to surrender into it. And if you don't surrender into it, it's just going to make it so much harder. And surrendering is not easy as well. Surrendering is so difficult. It's like when someone tells you, hey, just let it go. Let go. And you're like, it's not like it's a ball that you can just let go. When you let go, it's like trying to get a cobweb off you. It's like it's sticky and it's hard to surrender and it's hard to let go. But once you do, I feel like it just makes everything a lot easier during a Mercury retrograde. Surrender is definitely something that I think is a practice. Like you have Mm. to develop it almost like a skill. Mm. Um, and knowing what the sensation feels like to let something go and to surrender to a situation, uh, it takes practice. It really does. And I feel like there are levels to surrendering as well. I feel like sometimes mm. you go, yes, I have surrendered to this scenario or situation or circumstance. And the universe goes, um, no, you haven't actually. <laughs> you've thought you've surrendered, but here's another level to it. And you have to drop in just a little bit more. You go, oh, right, okay. There was another level to that. Most definitely. And I think like the best things come once you've gone really deep with that too. Mm. It's how far, how far are you willing to go? And, you know, the reward is just all the sweeter on the other side of that. Oh, absolutely. Yep, definitely. Yep. There's definitely a reward and that's the important thing. (laughs) (laughs) There is a light in the end of the tunnel. (laughs) It's not all for nothing. I guess one of the things that I really love to do during a Mercury retrograde as well and I think this was a big lesson for me because you know how I had that neck thing at the start of the week Hmm. where my body kind of seized up and I was like a robot and I couldn't move free (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't fun no it was not fun at all I was actually on the biomat on Saturday and I sort of like started to move my body and I was getting in all these positions that I don't often get in, you know, with like a leg up here and an arm up here and just sort of like (laughs) rolling around like a cat basically. And I thought to myself, like, we don't actually do this. 
when we get stuck in like a way of being or doing, so we're going about our day to day and it's the same thing every day. We're moving our body in the same way every day. And how often do we actually move our bodies in a different way and get ourselves in different positions? Like we used to do that as kids all the time. And my kids do that all the time. Like they Mm -hmm. won't just sit down on the couch and stay on the couch in a nice seated position. Like they'll go upside down, they'll (laughs) move a leg up here. You know what I mean? Like I feel like that's a really good way to sort of move that stagnant energy as well if you're feeling really stuck to sort of just stretch your body in really odd positions. Mm-hmm. in body movement that's what it is yeah, exactly in the movement exactly yeah all right so today's topic is about the planets and astrology but we're going to talk about um, herbal astrology I find that's the easiest term to say actually herbal astrology so I'm going to go with that mm-hmm. one okay <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you let us know what herbal astrology actually is give us the rundown Right, so most people have kind of heard of astrology and most people have heard of herbalism, Um, although I don't know that astrology really gets shared in the way that it should. It gets a little bit, what we learn about astrology is quite surface level when in Mm. fact it's a very deep, very nuanced, very involved uh, modality, I suppose. So I've been learning astrology for a little while now and it's so much bigger than just, this is what my... Uh, horoscope is for the month it's so much bigger than that and very personal which is why I think it goes so well with herbalism as a practice Uh, because you know true holistic herbalism is also very nuanced and personal and you know individualized to what each person needs or if it's a true uh, if if, you know you find a really good herbalist so what we're doing with astrological herbalism or herbal astrology or astroherbalism, is we're bringing in archetypal medicine, basically. So we're looking at archetypal and constitutional remedies and we're connecting planets with herbs, with body conditions, even with elements and things like, you know, disease conditions, things like that, organ systems, and we're looking at it as a really big comprehensive picture. And so there's so many ways that you can use astrological herbalism in practice and we can talk about that as well. But it's basically where we're using the planets and the archetypal energies of the planets and we're connecting them with herbs and body systems and disease states, to put it simply. (laughs) To put it simply. (laughs) (laughs) I love it because it is complicated and I feel like that's why a lot of people sort of shy away from it because there's so many different aspects to it. You know, like you have, and even just the fact that you've got 12 zodiac signs, I mean, that's a lot. If you just had one zodiac sign and you kind of learned all the herbs that go with that, there's a lot of info there when you when you add in all 12 and then you add in all the herbs. It's just a lot of stuff to know. It definitely is. But it's part of what makes it so amazing as a as a modality, I think. I think so too. And if you love to learn and you love to dive deep into <laughs> sort of thing like we do, it's like a never-ending just sort of, you know, pot of gold. Absolutely. I actually love the aspect of gardening, gardening by moon phases. I guess that's one way mm-hmm. of a, a nice, easy introduction into it. I think, guess everybody sort of knows that. 
planting certain seeds during different moon phases or harvesting plants during, you know, what depending on what the moon is doing. I feel like that everybody kind of knows that. That's kind of, yeah. A familiar. To it. Yeah, a familiar aspect. But my favourite thing is actually formulating with a mm. herb or making making some sort of lotion or potion or, or something that applies to using the herbs that mirror that planet and then looking at the day that you're making it on and also the days of the week correspond to different planets as well. So, for example, if I was making something for the heart to increase its potency, I guess, and you don't have to do this. This is just, it's it's more steps. You don't actually have to pick a day. No. Pick, you know, you know what I mean. You don't have to. Do I do. It. Just, it's a, it's a way of doing it that feels really aligned and, and might result in the plant potion being more potent, especially if mm-hmm. your intention is for that. So, for example, if you wanted to make a love potion, which could simply be an oil, a body oil that you use as a massage oil or self-massage oil. You could use a herb or flower that corresponds to Venus and then you could make that on a Friday, which is Venus's day. That's just a simple way of doing it, for example. Mm -hmm. That would be beautiful. I think that's a really nice kind of uh, starting point for somebody who's wanting to start to kind of dip their toe in the pool of astroherbalism is to look at, yeah, the days of the week. That's definitely was my first introduction. I followed somebody called Dara Dubonet for many, many years, and she very much talks about each day of the week and she'll dress for the day of the week. So, you know, for uh, Fridays, she'll dress, I think the term is Venusian. Um, Oh, I love that. It could be, you know, something else, but she'll wear the pinks and the reds and the more uh, romantic colours and even sometimes like little pops of green for the heart. So, yeah, I think it's a really nice way to start to work with the planets in general. And then you could even start to bring in herbal teas on those days of the weeks and start to to play with herbs in that way, connecting them with the planets in a really nice, accessible, easy way. The thing that I really love about herbal astrology is it adds another layer of magic to working with plants and herbs and the fact that it goes back to the 1600s is just another really exciting element for me absolutely I feel like it's one of those things that we lost uh it was originally included in medicine just just medicine back when medicine was actually holistic and herbalists were also doctors and Nicholas Culpepper is an example of that. So he wrote his The English Physician in 1653, and that definitely included uh, herbs and planets together. And it was a big part of his practice. And he's kind of who we refer to when we first talk about astrological herbalism um, because he used it quite a lot. So it has it has quite a history. Exactly. And I love that. I love that we're coming back to a way of looking at medicine and herbs that is so, so old. And he might have been the first one to to really put it in a 
a book or, you know, use it like that. But I think that it's even older. I think it actually goes really, really far back. It does. I mean, I have a book that was gifted to me, which you've seen and is absolutely beautiful, The Illustrated Earth Garden Herbal. And it's actually an Australian book, I believe, but he talks quite a lot in the back of it about astrological herbalism. And he's even saying that some of the illustrations that he used were from a book uh, published in 1572. So, and they're looking at the signs and their relations with the body. So that definitely is even further back. And, you know, that's at a time when the printing press was invented and and books were actually created like that. So who knows how far it actually goes back? I would say a very long time. And it makes sense. Like if you are the kind of person who even follows the wheel of the year and the way, like, you know, celebration of the seasons, there are certain herbs that we use for certain times of the year. Uh, And that is, in essence, astrological herbalism. I actually... I can't remember who wrote this book and I should look it up and put it in the show notes afterwards um, to give credit to this fantastic idea. But I have heard of the theory that Stonehenge was actually a sort of cosmic calendar used Mm. for medicinal purposes to know when to harvest different herbs, when to use different herbs. And it was all part of this like sort of druid holistic healing methodology which I absolutely love I'm gonna have to find that book and yeah talk about that even more because I think I've heard that as well which is fascinating to me I mean even just the fact that this is kind of you know going off on a bit of a tangent but even just the (laughs) fact that in um Celtic Druidism I think it's is it mistletoe yeah it's mistletoe is one of their sacred um plants Mm -hmm. but Modern science is actually discovering that mistletoe is good for, I think, is it is it good for cancer even? Uh, possibly. Thinking that's what it is. They're actually doing studies now to see that there's there's different compounds in mistletoe that help with cancer treatments, which is just incredible. Amazing. Yeah, I've been reading about actually mistletoe and its involvement in the, again, the wheel of the year, so like the sacred cycle. Um and it was used quite a lot uh, in the winter months. Um, mm. And again, that's it's just another following the Earth cycles, following the uh, turn of the planets kind of situation there. So it's again, it's astroherbalism, um, but it's amazing how uh, accurate it is and how people, yeah, have intuitively picked this up back, you know, before we had technology and modern life interrupting the way that we lived. Mm. Uh, This is something that would have come quite naturally been passed down, but also intuitively figured Mm. out. And I love that. And now we're just rediscovering things from a scientific evidence-based perspective. But the tricky thing with that is that, you know, for such a long time and even now uh, things are disregarded as pseudoscience, which Mm. is one of my least favorite words. Um, And, you know, science, it's just, what is it? I, I heard the other day, science is just magic that hasn't been discovered yet. Oh, is that I what love that. that. Is? Yeah. Yeah. Or magic is just science that hasn't been discovered yet. It's probably the way that you say it. But, you know, everything seems like magic. And then eventually we find 
you know, we find the scientific evidence-based reason for why things work, but it always worked. It doesn't take away the fact that these things worked before. It's Mm. just that now we have caught up technology-wise and we're able to, I guess, quote-unquote, prove it. (laughs) Exactly. And I mean, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago, they didn't have methodologies to prove that things worked. All they did was look at the fact that, hey, this works from Mm -hmm. trial and error and usage over years and years and years and generational knowledge being passed down. They just Mm -hmm. went with this works. The proof is in the fact that it works without thinking of how or why. It just works. Mm -hmm. Yes, we definitely have set ourselves back in the sense that we could have been really truly harnessing these remedies for a lot longer, but we kind of forgot a bit of that for a moment there. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm so glad that it's coming back and that we're able to relearn how to interpret these things and how to harness the energy and the potency that herbal astrology has to offer. The other thing you mentioned that I really loved was the fact that you can use your intuition with that Mm. and that intuitive sort of feeling of how to work with plants and and what planets they correspond to as well. I think that falls under the sort of banner of doctrine of signatures too, doesn't it? It's looking at a plant and going, okay, well, the leaf has this kind of texture, for example, and so it could fall Mm -hmm. under you know, being ruled by Mars, for example, or something like that. And that's very sort of intuitive practice as well. And I think another great example of this is St. John's Wort. You get more flowers, the more sun it gets, and it's definitely a solar remedy. So seeing, you know, in what growing conditions a plant thrives will give you an indication of of what its constitutional type might be, like what its uh, planet affinity could be. And again, what its its Uh, organ affinity could be what kind of disease states it could help and that's how we kind of start to connect all of the dots when you think deeper and really let it's a nice beautiful mixture of like letting nature inform you and then being able and open and receptive to connecting those dots to be able to interpret what nature's telling us yes exactly it's the marrying of the two which i love Mm. what herbs would you recommend to work with during a mercury retrograde in particular? Not thinking about the fact that we have five other planets doing that as well, but just <laughs> specifically. All right, the herbs. <laughs> right now in this, this two-week time frame that we've got where mercury is in its, its specific retrograde, um, what herbs would you would you pick or herb in particular would you pick to work with during that time? Mm. I have my herb that I would pick. But well, let's, let's go for yours first. What's the pick word? What's right. the herb that you would pick? I would actually pick lemon balm and that's oh. a very personal choice for me and it works more because, I mean, you've got different herbs that are related to mercury and I feel like they're fantastic to work with if you want to bring more of that sort of mercury energy into your life, but when it's mercury retrograde and being a Gemini myself and also having Gemini moon and mercury in my chart, I think (laughs) I'm so scattered and so my nervous system, which is ruled by mercury, is so haywire. I need something to sort of just calm me down and lemon balm so Mm -hmm. soothing. 
and so relaxing. And I feel like that's the herb that I want to use personally just to to help me almost get into that surrender mode as well and just relax my nervous system and, yeah, just calm things down. Mm-hmm. And I like that that's an example of you taking that from, like, your own personal constitution, knowing yourself and what you experience and what you need as a remedy in response to how you're feeling in Mercury retrograde. So I really like that as an example of, yeah, your own constitutional um, remedy choosing. Exactly. Yes. And it's funny because the new cards that we have (laughs) both just acquired into our collections um, what's it called again? It's the Materia Medica Oracle by yes. by Kendall Quack of Tender Heart Studio. Right. I yeah, I've forgotten her name, but it sounds she's definitely Tender Heart Studio for sure. And I think her Instagram's actually Desert Bloom with three O's in the middle, I think. Yes. Set of cards is just beautiful. <laughs> I really, really love it. It's beautiful and she speaks she speaks our language, actually, the way that she describes each herb and what it does. Yes, definitely. So for lemon balm, which is actually the card that I drew on Saturday morning, <laughs> funnily enough, <laughs> uh, she actually says on it playfulness and wonder, which I think is a really nice, it's, yeah, it's just a really nice other level for it as well because when you are relaxed, and your nervous system is feeling nourished and just yeah happy you do start to to feel more of that childlike sense of play and wonder with everything definitely I love the way that she she talks about so in this card deck for people who are listening she talks about that herbal actions of each herb and a little bit about the history of the herb and its historical use traditional use and then talks about, I guess, her interpretation of the plant and more um, energetics of the plant, which is just beautiful. And I feel like she's spot on with it as well. And it's, I guess it's something that really shows the magic of herbs and plants, the fact that so many different people can work with a certain plant and come to the same conclusions of how it works and what it does spiritually and its energetics. I find that really fascinating. And that's something that you almost can't explain. It just hasn't been explained yet. (laughs) Exactly. We haven't caught up to that part yet. That's also a source of wonder and excitement for me as well, the fact that it's not explained yet. I love that. Well, I was going to say that's actually one thing as a side note is that despite the fact that we're constantly trying to prove things, I'd actually prefer that we stop. Exactly. <laughs> slow down a little bit because, you know, what's left when we know everything? Exactly. You know, like it's nice to have a bit of wonder. It's actually amazing for the brain and the body to have a little bit of mystery, you know? Exactly. Yes. And it makes life just that little bit more magical. For sure. So what is your pick? Well, with Mercury, so as you kind of touched on, Mercury is looking at our nervous system, our brain, it's even looking at our thyroid and our respiratory system, um, things to do with the the speech and the throat. And so 
you know, with with planets, they sometimes will have like a yin or a yang kind of tendency. So the sun is obviously yang. It's it's that kind of masculine brightness. And there are some herbs that you can tell are particularly particularly yin. So mother, uh, sorry, mugwort is one of those. Definitely associated with the moon and more of that feminine energy. And so uh, looking at mercurial herbs, I love the word mercurial, but mercurial mm. herbs, we're looking at improving mental alertness and helping with uh, supporting the nervous system and increasing probably even microcirculation in the brain and things like that. So brain herbs are really good. Um, and nervous system, like kind of adaptogenic herbs are really good. Uh, one that has come up a lot is actually lavender as a mercury Ooh, herb. Yeah. Um, which, you know, as we know, is is fantastic for the nervous system and is one of, I guess, I'm not going to say one of the few herbs, but one of the few herbs that we see used in clinic for things like depression as well. Um, so lavender, I would definitely say is lovely. And even the color of lavender, you can kind of tell is more of a mercurial sort of uh, energy. Um, it's that silvery, purpley, bluey, gray, <laughs> depending on which one you're looking at. Um, and even things like cola would be a really good one. Ginkgo would be really lovely, like your brain herbs, I think would be really great. And then if we're looking at kind of my more old school resources, uh, they mentioned things like caraway, which I found oh. quite interesting, and dill and fennel drums as well. Mm. And even things like oregano and parsley. So I think you're also looking at the ones that have quite a nice volatile oil content. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so rosemary is one that I feel like would be helpful for that because it's so good for that microcirculation and the brain support. But it it is in my book as a sun herb, which makes sense because it's Mediterranean and it thrives in the sun. Mm. I think that there can be crossover with them too, though. Um, And again, when you're looking deeper, like what's your constitutional type? It is quite niched, which and nuanced again, which is why it is so amazing as a healing modality because every person's remedy will be so different, even moment to moment for each person. So, but definitely the gochicola, the ginkgo, rhodiola would be really nice. Although it is also known as the sun herb, I think there's probably a bit of crossover there. Yeah, but lavender, I love lavender. I think that's probably the one that comes to my mind, you know, in the forefront of my mind. Mm, I like that lavender is also good for headaches. And I Mm. think that when you've got so much happening in your brain and, (laughs) and craziness going on externally in your life, yeah, it can trigger a lot of headaches. So it's really good for that too, which I like. And the fact that it works for both, it's kind of, is, is lavender actually a little bit stimulating for brain, the brain as well, like a little bit, um, clearing of brain fog as well yes and it's that clarity I think that's the Mm. word that was coming to my mind is giving clarity especially Mm. around the time of mercury because when we're in retrograde it's yeah it's that re-evaluation it's the you know looking at things again all of the (laughs) re-words and isn't it funny that it's it's when we are still and mercury retrograde forces us almost to be still that we do gain more clarity because we're processing. Mm-hmm. We're not just going, going, going. I mean, I kind of liken it to you're filling up a cupboard with stuff that you don't want to look at basically 
And so you're just Mm -hmm. filling this cupboard and filling it and filling it and filling it until it's bursting. And Mercury retrograde is kind of like the cupboard doors opening and everything's (laughs) falling out and you have to then (laughs) sort through it and decide what you want to keep and decide what you want to throw away. And it forces you to actually sit there and go through it all. Yes, yes. And then afterwards you have this beautiful, clean, uncluttered cupboard. Absolutely. And that, again, that stillness lets you actually focus because, you know, we're running so fast these days. Um, And what I love about astroherbalism too, and particularly this time, is there's so many ways to use these herbs daily uh, to support us as well. So we can use it in ceremony. We can use it energetically. We can meditate on a herb or with a herb, but we can also put them in a drink or make a beautiful meal uh, with these herbs and use them. Uh, just in everyday life so yeah it's a great time to make a salad with beautiful parsley and you know maybe you do some greek potatoes with lots of oregano or you want to make a drink and you want to add like a bit of gotcha cola powder or something like that or a tea it they're so it's so easy to incorporate Mm, i love that and my favorite is always just to sit down with the plant and just hang out and (laughs) (laughs) like you would with a cat or a friend and just just chill out with it maybe like rub your fingers over the leaf and like get a bit of the essential oils on your fingers and Mm. yeah have a chat hang out make a bath with it hang out in the bath Mm -hmm. with it nice yeah we're big fans of that yes yep yeah I actually like having the plant on the bath altar like an actual you know with candles and everything going as well as in the water as well Mm, that's a really nice way to do it so you can look at it and enjoy its beauty as well as enjoying it in the water too and I think another good thing about astroherbalism and something I, I would encourage people to do if you're wanting to kind of get started with it is to try to grow some herbs because again kind of looking back to what I talked about just before in terms of you know we would have traditionally seen the way that plants were growing, seen what conditions they thrived in, uh, really experienced the plants firsthand. And we don't always get that opportunity anymore. So actually just having a few little pots and then, you know, you can do that. You can actually take the little pot inside and meditate with it or have a bath with it next to you. But parsley, things like parsley and oregano and even rosemary and lavender are things that are so easy to grow. Uh, just in a pot so easy to grow so it's a really nice way to get started and really deeply know really know the herb and see why it would be associated with a particular planet or a particular element or energy yeah and just to get to to know its different ways of growth like the different stages Mm. I really love looking at that like my angelica plant at the moment I was telling you the other day how the ants have come it has these little florets, little weird florets that have come up and then they sort of turn <laughs> into like a pod on the flower, a little green pod, and then the ants have all come and crawled all over these pods and I think what they're doing is they're removing the sticky residue so that we can get a li- another little blossom, which is just I'm fascinated just watching it in all its different stages. Mm-hmm. It is really incredible to watch. I had a whole journey with both got, uh, ginkgo, my ginkgo tree, and with hops which I kept talking about because hops is such a new experience for me growing it and it's actually coming to life again now. But there were things that I didn't know about it even as a herbalist. You know, we get taught, and this is 
probably a topic for a whole other conversation about, you know, what herbal education is like these days if you want a degree in herbal medicine um, and naturopathy. It's it's very clinical. And mm. so we get taught this is this herb. Maybe sometimes a little bit how about how it grows, like, oh, more so like this is found in the Mediterranean, for example. It does well in the sun. But mostly this is what it does for the body. These are the her, like, you know, chemical constituents that the plant has. It does this, this, this. Mm. When in fact herbs are so much more complex than that and they have so many benefits that aren't anything to do with just the main three. Usually I'm just using three as an example, but we're often given like, you know, it's an anxiolytic, it's a nervine, and it's a digestive. Let's say aromatic digestive. But that herb might also be really helpful with women's reproductive health or it actually might have a certain compound in it that really helps with brain function. And we don't talk about those because we put herbs in boxes. So this is also a great way of deepening practice in that sense. But I forgot where I was going. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Gardening. Yeah. I think starting with that point, I think that is the best place for everyone to start. If they want to start working with herbs, I could go on about that for days, weeks, months, years. I have been. Starting with the garden Mm. is the place to start, in my opinion, I think. Yes, that's right. Seeing, like, actually getting to experience. Yeah, me, that's what I was saying, me as a herbalist, even getting to just experience for the first time a plant, walking it through from a tiny little seedling or a seed and seeing it sprout up. What does its first little leaflets look like? How does it grow? What does it like? What happens when it goes to seed? What does that look like? When should you harvest it? Oh, I've missed the harvest point this year. I'll have to try for early spring next time. It's such a great way to really get hands-on and involved with herbalism and astroherbalism. And, you know, in the same breath, honing our own intuition as well. Yes. And connecting with the natural world and I think that's Mm. really important too and it has different physiological benefits as well you know like when you're digging dirt and harvesting (laughs) plants it it raises dopamine levels I think that's what it is and there's a certain bacteria in dirt that can make you happy I mean (laughs) that also is another conversation that we can have but yeah if Mm. you're starting if you're going to start anywhere I would say start start in the garden and go from there Absolutely, because when you can come from that place of firsthand experience, it's going to make learning all of these things so much easier because you're going to understand where it's all coming from just by being in touch with the world around around you. Well, I think that's a really good place to leave it. We could just talk forever about this sort of thing. And we do. <laughs> when we don't record it, we do talk about this sort of thing forever and ever. And we'll definitely talk more about it in the future. Yes. So I think we'll leave it for today. Thank you, Hannah. Bye. Thank you for having me. Bye. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here and for listening. I know your time is sacred and special and I really appreciate you spending yours with me. Thank you and until next time.